0: Listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. It seems so fitting that for the 101st episode of the Testudo Times Podcast, the next century of doing this fantastic show for all of you great Testudo Times readers and podcast listeners. That it starts with an apology because of recording issues we had a great show recorded with thomas and lamar last friday but due to things that i'm not going to explain because i don't want to explain them and you don't care about how the sausage is made you just care when the sausage comes out the recording failed and so that was last friday and now the following tuesday we're recording this podcast and a lot has happened in the meantime thomas that has made our mood a lot more dour about maryland as we come into the new year
1: yeah, we recorded this the morning uh, before Justin Jackson's injury was announced. Um, and, and then
0: a couple Kevin days later, even Bender. Failed.
1: Yeah. Now, even Bender was fully healthy when we when we recorded this thing. And then he played a little bit against UMBC, tore his meniscus, and now he's gone. And so now uh, Maryland is down two guys at the same position and has to get creative. And that's...
0: And we know that most Maryland fans it's think not a, it's are never a good thing. Coach.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, it's one of those things that, that they can maybe survive, but it would be surviving. It wouldn't be, you know, there, there are no optimal situations here.
0: It'll be a little Jim Valvano survive in advance is basically what we can see here. Now, the good news yeah, is. Yeah, survive
1: in advance is tough to do through 16 more
0: games of conference basketball. Well, 17 when you have a tournament game to play. Well, at least mm-hmm. one. Now, I want to I get to some of this for a second because losing Justin Jackson was obviously killer. I mean, but I thought that there was a way because of the way he was playing and the way Maryland looked in the second half, at least against UMBC, they were awful in the first half, uh, that there was a chance for them to adapt. But now they have no front court depth unless Joshua Tamaya emerges out of nowhere and Sean Obi can do things other than get rebounds. And what Maryland had was... I wouldn't say too many players, but they had players who weren't playing in situations where we thought they would be playing, like Sean Obie. We didn't see him as much as we thought we would see him because he has a specialized role in one thing. But now we're going to be seeing him, and we're going to see Josh Tomajic as well in big, big roles the rest of the way. And they're going to have to play, in many cases, above their heads if Maryland is going to tread water.
1: Yeah, those two guys especially. especially, You know, those, Those are the two guys who... You know, I mean, Maryland, I think, has 10, 11 scholarship players, and those are the two guys that we just haven't seen a ton of. Um, and now we kind of have to see more of them because, you know, Maryland's options at the four are, you know, just throw Tomaj out there and hope he has enough of a similar skill set to Jackson. Probably not the optimal idea right away. Trial by fire. Um, you can do what they did against – yeah, you can do what they did against UMBC. They started Nickens at the four. Nickens, obviously – uh is six seven. Um that's power forward size to some people, but he, you know, doesn't have the girth to defend someone like a Miles Bridges for longer oh than seven seconds. So uh so that leaves Bruno Fernando, who is six ten to the top of his flat top he's probably seven one, seven two. Um and at as- enough to probably defend those guys but he's been practicing the center you know practicing the five all year and you know I think so much of Maryland's ceiling now comes down to can he play the four alongside Michael Tchaikovsky at the five and can those guys stay healthy and Tchaikovsky's had injury histories Mm -hmm. Fernando's
0: had ankle issues so it's the biggest key to me I think is just staying out of foul trouble Because the biggest issue for him all year is when he plays, Maryland is really good. There's always a spark when he's on the floor. But the problem is he can't play as often as you'd like to see him play because he's in foul trouble too often. And what I worry about, and especially in a game like Michigan State, is you have to defend Miles Bridges. And you're going to get a couple of good plays here and there because that's just how it works in basketball. And then he'll pick up two fouls and Maryland is suddenly in deep trouble. The, there goes their front court. Well,
1: and now especially when he picks up those fouls. Yeah, when he picks up those fouls, who do you replace him with? That's the thing. Is it's one of them end up
0: being – I, def- I mean, what you would see, I mean, down the stretch in games is Obi come in for defensive situations and Tomajic come in for offensive situations. But you can't do that in the first half of a game when it's up and down the floor. You can't get in Obi just for defensive situations and Tomajic just for offensive situations. I think they'll guess they'll try to do that as much as they possibly can, but I just think it's really hard. And then you also have the other issue for Maryland, which is what happens in the backcourt, because again, walk-ons are coming on in defensive positions, a la our great friend Varun Ram earlier on in time for defensive purposes at the end of halves. Like their depth is just suddenly disappeared.
1: Um, I I don't think that's as much of an issue. I think that's more just. You know they they have a guy who can come in and play really good defense on a possession and then not pick up a third foul. I think that that's the extent of what what that is. I'm oh, I'm surprised we're, we're that we're that on guy on that. is Reese Mona. Yeah, well that guy turns out to be Reese Mona this year. I thought it would be Travis Falman. Um, anyway, I mean the, like Maryland has walk-ons that can pretend to be scholarship players for a little bit. Um, At least for
0: temporarily.
1: But, yeah, and suddenly now like they don't have a real backup point guard. Where have we Morse, that is yeah, yeah. Morcell is the backup point guard. And so anyway, if any if anything happens to really anyone else, it's it, it's going to be rough. I think they can still survive in their current form. In the current form, they can survive, but it won't be pretty.
0: Maybe they can. I don't know. Well, what do you think now? They've got one conference win. Uh, they still play some relatively beatable teams in the Big Ten. Uh, they have to play Sparty twice. They have to go to Purdue, who they were hung hanging tough with when they were healthy. Uh, don't know about that now. Uh, how many conference wins do you think they can get? I still think they can maybe find a way to push to eight or nine in an ideal world.
1: I, I mean, I think you're better than that because the Big Ten isn't that great. And I, I still think they can hang with teams like – so we're recording this before they play Penn State. If they get blown out of the water by Penn State, disregard every optimism that we –
0: showed
1: yeah isn't it yeah well it's it's when we were both available and it, that's when it worked out this, but anyway this is um <laughs> but yeah i i think they can still finish conference play with a winning record just because there aren't any super tough teams that i think they'll have too much trouble Besides with and we're, I mean, we're talking about michigan state now yeah well michigan state and then purdue you're not beating purdue without two of your best power forwards. This is true.
0: I don't
1: think they play Purdue.
0: No, they, they don't do. play
1: Purdue anymore at all. Do no, they they? Do. So,
0: no, they do. Oh, they, they, play they, at do. Ma- they play at Mackey. Oh, well, that's, they that's get fun. They get Michigan State at yeah. home, too, And that's the one – and the students are back for that game. And that's the one game where I think that all that gets put aside because Xfinity Center for games like that – say Michigan State's number one in the country, and they're coming in for that game. It is a Sunday afternoon. But – Xfinity Center could be an equalizer in those one-off situations. That we've seen before. But, I mean, I think that you play Wisconsin, who is decidedly mediocre this year. You play Indiana, who is decidedly mediocre. Ohio State is decidedly mediocre. Northwestern is way worse than we thought they would be. I mean, I guess the other tough game that you could play potentially is like Minnesota. And we haven't seen Minnesota necessarily be at their best this year. But other than that, everybody's just sort of bleh. In the Big Ten, aside from Michigan State, well, then we Michigan
1: too, Michigan too.
0: Eh, I mean, if you look at like they're not, they're not quite on that level, I'd say, at least from. I my mean, if you number. if you
1: go just by if you just go by the Ken Palm rankings, Michigan State's number two, Purdue's number three, and then I think Maryland's actually third at number thirty. Then Michigan State is thirty third as I look at it now, and then yeah, Michigan is, and then Penn State,
0: Penn, State's Minnesota, Penn, Penn? State, Minnesota, Ohio
1: State. Yeah, and then Penn State, Minnesota,
0: and the Ohio State, State are that's in the lost top two. Rider at home. Yep, that one. Oh jeez, it's going to be really, really bad if they lose tonight. God. Oh, we, that's all we have. Maybe we'll see. Penn State's not that big, is the thing. Well, Penn so State has probably get away with it. Yeah, I, I don't
1: think the power forward injuries will be as much of a dagger against Penn State as they would be against some other teams.
0: So, who, So obviously, I think this is time for Anthony Cowan and Kevin Herter to really step up. And Kevin Herter, as we know, can shoot the lights out at any given time. Uh, in the second half against UMBC, he was hitting every single shot he took. And Anthony Cowan, I don't think we've seen the best of Anthony Cowan yet, aside from the game against Butler. And, by the way, that win now looks a lot better. So, don't, don't worry too much about Maryland's resume at this point. Worry about what the Terps have to do first. Uh, but if they can play well, and Bruno Fernando can do his best to stay out of foul trouble, this Turps team could still be fairly decent. It's not exactly like they're terrible, but they they now have definite impediments that could have taken this team from a pretty locked-in tournament team to one that's going to be fighting for its life all year and might end up playing a first-four game. Maryland, uh, and the first-four game would be lit, honestly. I don't, I don't want to have to play it'll that be, game, to be, be honest with you. I don't want to play that game. As a
1: as a person who runs the website, I would not want it either just cuz that's a very short t- turnaround.
0: No, 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 no. Like, it's not really that short of a t- I mean it's a short turnaround <laughs> to learning who you play. But Maryland will have No, that's that's off from s- that
1: point. That too. That too. I mean as a as a blogger, that's the turnaround from oh, we have Maryland's opponent. Okay, let's do all of the preview for this opponent and then the game's like Tuesday night
0: or Wednesday night. One of those. Yes. I mean. So anyway,
1: we'll figure that out as we go. Let's hope it doesn't come to that, or maybe it does. I don't know. Um. Yeah. No. I mean, Cowan and Herder are definitely the the guys now, and they've said as much, and they they know that they have to really step up and play. Nearly every minute, they'll probably they'll probably both average like thirty five minutes a game in conference play, just because they have to, and.
0: But they're both reliable. You know, like none of them have had injuries. You know, they both could have rough games. We've seen that before. But in terms of mm-hmm. injury viability, they're both fairly healthy. I don't think they've had any injuries, at least that I can remember.
1: No, I don't just, think either of them have had big injuries. In Maryland.
0: Just like the care. I mean, guys. Guys do get kind of dinged up, and
1: you know that. And, that and you'll get wear and tear like, on that. Like Jackson, he had, he had, he had a shoulder issue. He had his shoulder issue before Maryland, apparently, and then he just kind of aggravated it this year, Mm. but didn't aggravate it last year. Like, you know, guys have these little conditions, and it happens.
0: So I want to ask a question before we get to other things uh, and talking a little bit about these games that are coming up uh, with Justin Jackson and his NBA stock. And it's not the right question to ask now, but most Maryland fans are certainly going to think it, and we should talk about it. And... Maybe Matt talk would be a better person to ask about this. We'll get him on at some point to answer this question for us more definitively. But with Justin Jackson, his NBA stock was sky high at the start of the year. Many people thought he was going to be a lottery pick. And now he's got shoulder issues. And I think for players coming into draft, injury issues are always a huge problem. But especially I think shoulders are an injury that are just kind of funky and you never know if you could get them right. And in the NBA and in basketball, your shoulders are incredibly important. So what are we thinking now about his draft stock? Does he go in as damaged goods because you don't know how he's going to recover from a torn labrum? Or does he risk it and come back his junior year and try to rebuild some of that?
1: I, I've written this. I don't think there's a way that he comes to the decision that his 2018 stock will be higher than his 2019 stock. Um, at the same time, it's possible he just wants to get out and try to start somewhere and earn a spot um
0: but I, I like point, if he mentally he's not checked a, he's out not a first round pick
1: no he's not a first round pick I don't know if I would I would maybe take a chance on him in the second round maybe and that's if I'm convinced that he can be healthy you see, know just
0: see, this is this is a tougher one because because his, it's a, it really depends on the time frame
1: of his rehab and um if I he's guess you if he's be able to
0: would be better by 4 months in the draft combine i i'm not sure of time Yeah, i mean that's the thing if he's
1: if he's healthy in time for like the combine i think i think he'll do, probably do what he did again is declare and without an agent and then um just just see how he compares and then you know I, I don't think he wanted to do that but i think that's probably his best bet
0: and think about i mean i don't want to get too much into the weeds. But think about next year if Justin Jackson returns and you get anything like what we think peak Justin Jackson could be. With all of those freshmen and a better Bruno Fernando, holy moly.
1: Maybe another freshman or two? Maybe we'll, another freshman. We'll mean, see. You, just
0: think about, you think about the potential for that team next year. I, I don't like talking about this now because there's a lot more of this season to go. But you think about a potential 2018-19 Maryland with a somewhat healthy Justin Jackson and that... Is potentially insane looking. Like I don't know if it would be better than the 2015-16 team, but it might get close. They would be preseason top 10. You get a lot of stuff like that. And well, the
1: 2016 team was one that had the one of the best starting fives in the country, and it didn't. The depth didn't stack up. But um, they might have. This is one that would have a lot more depth. This one, this one would have a lot more depth, and it would have more or less guys that have been together. Like, yep. that team was kind of slapped together. You know, we had a freshman and then a transfer and then a grad transfer um, and then a senior and a sophomore. This one would ha- would have, theoretically, three juniors, a um, couple uh, sophomores, and then some
0: freshmen. yeah, and some freshmen. And it would be – real. and, yeah. like, in theory, a Tomajic, if he's playing now, could be coming in a mm-hmm. rotation piece. And one of your most key reserves in Morsell will be a sophomore. So – You could have a really, really good team next year, but let's not get too into the weeds. Uh, In terms of Michigan State now, which we can't really talk too much about the Penn State game because it's going to happen, and whatever happens, it happens. Basically, unless Maryland gets blown out, there's probably going to be how we think this is going to go. I think they'll end up winning close in the end. As we talked about before, Penn State does not have a particularly big team, so I don't think Maryland will be tested so much in this way. But for Michigan State... Now knowing that Maryland is as injured as it is and does not have, arguably its two most important front court cogs next to Bruno Fernando, what can Maryland do to stay competitive in this game? And what do you want to see them do to potentially stay competitive in this game?
1: Well, what you do um, to, as an undersized team, knock off the number one team is you make a lot of threes. And so
0: it would take probably,
1: it would take, Cowan and Herder and Nickens, and like two of those guys to be red hot
0: and it's or herder to be whatever
1: kind of white hot he was against Nebraska, except the whole game
0: except and Syracuse too,
1: yeah, it would take that version of Herder for forty minutes, and he'd probably need like 30-40 points
0: <laughs> well we yeah, I mean Maryland that's the thing, it, it would take so war. much
1: it would take it would take that much just because they don't have the size, and Michigan state is huge, mm-hmm.
0: It's just it's a game that I was really intrigued to see when Maryland was healthy because we get the chance to know like, all right, this is how good this team is. How do you stack up with clearly right now what is the best team in the country? And now it's I wanted survived. to see how
1: Maryland's Jay Jackson stacked up against their Jay
0: Jackson. I know. Uh, we can't say but it. But that doesn't get to happen. It's such a shame. It's only Maryland this happens with with they might, have, they might have guarded each other too. It would have been fun. It really would have yeah. been a very entertaining game. Just as from a basketball neutral perspective, I think it would have been really interesting because Michigan State is, I'd say, the best team in the country right now. They're number one, and Maryland would have given them a really good test. Yeah, Maryland personally, and Michigan I, State have like, played good games against each other the last couple of years. I personally don't have a vote. I would still go Duke, uh, I, but I then mean, Michigan State number two, Duke did and then there's Michigan a gap. State, but uh, mm-hmm. the, without this, is the, its most, best this is the most wide open season of college basketball I've ever seen. As the sport mm-hmm. gets more and more. You'd think with all the crazy recruiting and one-and-dones, the sport would get more concentrated in, you know, five or six super teams. But it hasn't. Actually, the good quality is stretched out a lot more. It's really, really entertaining. It's the first yeah. time ever. Well, this is one they're of those years where, like, the con- before the turn of the new year.
1: Mm-hmm. This is one of those random years where, like, I didn't really realize Arizona State was good, and they looked up and they were number three. They just like, sort of got good. It's just been that kind of year. I
0: mean, they, they just they're the that- casually and win.
1: Yeah, and a team like West Virginia, you're like, oh, this isn't a great West Virginia team. These had better teams, and then they're number six, and you look up, and it's like, oh, okay. And it, it's just the whole country is like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Maryland could string out some wins and suddenly be in the top 25. I don't think that'll happen, but uh, oh, mean, the rest of the Big Ten, well. other than Michigan State, well, yeah. The, other than Michigan State, the rest of the Big Ten is still, like, probably beatable. It's just, but it probably won't happen. I don't know. You'll, you'll see.
0: We will definitely it's, see. Yeah. I'm morbidly excited. <laughs> we're being morbidly, which is normally not. That's, what, that's be, our
1: new slogan for 2018.
0: Morbidly excited. We'll put
1: that at the top of the page. Morbidly A morbidly excited. excited Maryland Terrapins
0: blog. Ah, uh, yeah. It's excited, but we know it's probably going to go wrong. That's normally what we say about football, not what we say about basketball. But uh, trust us, if Maryland. Okay, the last thing we're going to say about this before we get on to other things, we don't stay too long on this, this subject. If Maryland beats Michigan State somehow it would be one of the biggest upsets and one of the biggest wins in program history. Right? Like, beating them fully healthy would have been a big deal. But I don't think it would go up there with some of the best wins in program history. If they beat them now, it would be one of the best wins in program history. And this is a program that's beaten number one teams a ton. But, yeah, I mean, as far as, as, as regular season win wins, history. for sure.
1: As far as regular season wins, absolutely.
0: I mean, yeah, doing it on the road wins down don't down count, up, but... This would be one of the most amazing regular season wins in the history of this program. I just don't think there's. All any right. Way so now that we've go. got that out of the way, let's talk about the women, shall we? We shall. So they did play Penn State, but they hung on. So what? 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 What happening there? Mm-hmm. And then you could talk about Eliana Kristinaki scoring. What was it like thirty something in her first game? Yeah, she scored
1: thirty something in her first game, and then she's been like really quiet the last two. It's uh. It's a confusing little dynamic. Um, Well, the reason they were were so close against Penn State, I think, was just Kyla Charles didn't have a good game. She went one for 11 from the field. Um, And Maryland's not going to win too many games um, if Kyla Charles is doing that. They need her to be a star more often than not. But they Um, still
0: won their first two games.
1: Yeah, they won their first two conference games. Um, Iowa's next. Iowa's good. Iowa has... Um, the kind of post player that's given Maryland fits so far. Um, and there there are a couple teams in the Big Ten that I think will be very tough matchups for Maryland Michigan. besides Ohio State. Michigan and Iowa might be the second and third best teams in some order. Um, and then, I mean, Maryland's in there too. But, you know, it's just it just doesn't have the firepower that it used to. And so, you know, I, I don't think – They'll win a lot of big ten games and they'll be in contention for a while at least um for a conference title, which is which is what you want if that's your rebuilding year, then that's a good rebuilding year.
0: I'd say so. And now that they have a, a tenth player that can play, <laughs> that's important. yeah,
1: yeah well, I mean another depth piece I don't I, like I really don't know what to expect from her going forward because she, got red hot in her first game and then has been cold in the last two so streaky Mhm. a lot of players like there haven't been a ton of consistent players other than kyla charles and blair watson um you know everyone else is like that third scoring burst can come from here or there or there or there like it's that kind of team
0: it should be a fun team to watch though they're, they're going to still make the tournament maybe they're not quite you know high expectations as they were previous years, but this is a consistent program. If Maryland men's basketball... I think if they, host, sad, if
1: they host the first two-round games, then this, that's a success.
0: Yeah. And, hey, it's a consistent basketball program. <laughs> and if, if, if the men are making you sad, watch the, watch the girls. We've always said that. And it's, still, and it's still the story here. So, that is that. And then also, again, not to go too into how the sausage is made with this podcast, but... We were trying to record this back on uh, a couple of like last Thursday or something. And then a piece mm-hmm. of news dropped that interrupted that chance. And it was a really surprising piece of news.
1: Yes. Uh, Steve Ayer, um is leaving Maryland volleyball for Indiana, which um, it, it took it, that surprised Everybody like people who follow the program, people who know the program. And I'm mostly talking about Todd Carton at this point. Yes,
0: I know. Um, if you remember like, Todd, he's our old friend that used to do this show. We should get like back that's my, to do That's
1: my first contact with some random non-rev news breaks. Unless it's soccer. And he didn't know what was going on. He did not know what was going on. And I don't know. I, what I've, what he and I and some other people have been able to figure out since um, is that, that is basically. So, of course, Indiana offered more money. Indiana's getting a new facility. Um like a new arena. Um and some other new facilities. And so it's it basically seems like it's a program that is in the the you know, the heartland of you know, a generally volleyball obsessed area. And um it's in the Big Ten, obviously, so it's it'll be tough. Like Indiana lost twice to Maryland. Um, has some potential as a program. And I, I think more more than anything, he was just turned on by the idea of them you know, throwing a bunch of resources at it. Like Maryland had, I don't think he loved the pavilion, you know, because the pavilion is about 2,000, and he was, you know, they were filling that. And so he knew, you know, they were in that weird situation where you, the pavilion is too small, but the main floor is too big. And so Indiana is going to be, he'll go to there, and he won't have that problem at all. So I think that maybe that's one thing. There's a lot of factors beyond it. It doesn't look like there's anything that happened behind the scenes that forced him out.
0: Like it, it was I always guess my good. first thought that, okay, Kevin Anderson, who hired him is not there anymore. There's still some chaos at the top of the athletic department. We don't know whether Damon Evans is the guy or not. We don't know what Damon Evans thinks about this, you know, that was my first thought at the very least, but I mean, it, it, the sense that it says it's not what has happened here, that's probably better, at least just for the optics of what's going on so there's not total chaos behind the scenes, but yeah, to lose somebody like him, who turned a moribund program into, what, something that was very competitive and was clearly building mm-hmm. towards something, was, was incredibly impressive. And we both talked to him multiple times. And he was a coach that you just, you just wanted to play for him. Even if, like, I don't mm-hmm. like volleyball particularly too much. I don't know a ton about it. But just talking to him for a couple of stories that we did, holy crap, the guy just exudes confidence. He loves the sport, and he loves the building process, I think, more than anything else. I don't know if he likes seeing programs go over the top. I think he just likes building it up. Which, again, coaches can do what they do. Some coaches are like that, and they just like molding young players into becoming what he wants them to see and then let somebody else make them the finished article. That's okay. Some coaches are like that. I've seen that before. I think it's
1: it's different because, I mean, they hired him from Penn State where he was an assistant for a while, and they won a bunch of titles. And so, you know, he's done that. Um, He didn't finish what he started at Maryland. Like, he didn't – like, they haven't made the tournament. They were the first team out this year, and that's his best decision. achievement was next year they would have made it and they
0: probably yeah i mean and they
1: probably still will um to be you know to be determined what happens with with that coaching vacancy i think the biggest support is for adam hughes a because it's continuity and b because that way he doesn't join steve Aird's staff (laughs) at indiana preventative measures. Um, yeah well not only preventative measures but like hughes is good and he'll probably get a coaching job soon somewhere. Might as well be here. Is, a good point. I think the – I mean, it's, it's kind of what happened with baseball when it had a similar thing. Um, Virginia Tech offered John Sheff money that Maryland was not going to pay. I don't know what the ratio, I guess, is here and how much Maryland would have been willing to pay. For, for a coach that's like the most exciting coach your program's ever had, you know, you would want to be able to at least compete, you know, but I mean, this, wise. Is, this is the
0: thing with I don't salaries know what is that Maryland doesn't have the, all the Big Ten money yet. That's, that's very important. Like you, you might think, oh, huge contract of TV. They have all this money. Well, they don't get it until early next decade. So they're still waiting a little bit on it. Now, maybe when they get that money, they could have offered these salaries to match them. But they don't now. So I don't know. Yeah, and I'm not sure how much of that was uh, you know, the sort
1: of transition in the athletic department either.
0: I don't know. I, I, again, like that, that, oh, that looms as a cloud over what happened with baseball and volleyball or sports that are clearly – Well, not, not with baseball
1: because, I mean, well, at that time, well, Kevin – Well, I mean,
0: maybe. Maybe still... played a role. We don't know. The timeline there is a bit fuzzy. But it, clearly, I mean, these are two non-rev sports that were on the rise at this school that were moribund, that weren't doing anything, and now are programs that people are excited about. And they lose their they lose their like seminal head coaches, and they lose them in sort of similar ways for similar reasons. It's hard not to try to put two and two together, even if it's not actually what's going on. But.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's tougher in you know in volleyball to see your coach go to a place that you have beaten head to head, and a place that you will see for a long time. Like Maryland's yeah, going to at least in Virginia Tech in doesn't year.
0: see them anymore.
1: mm Hmm. I mean, and the ACC is a better baseball conference than the Big Ten. So, I mean, that makes some sense, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Maryland and Indiana are in the same conference. Maryland's beating Indiana. Now, Indiana has Maryland's coach.
0: Uh, if you can't beat them, take their coach away is basically what we've learned in sports now. Uh, mm, or, or just get the best coaches and then take their assistance is basically what we've talked about. At least that's what's going on in college football at this point. So, uh, speaking of which... We had a good discussion on Cruton and some players that Maryland was able to get uh, that was in that recording of the show you'll never be able to hear because the audio is wonky, and then you did a Facebook Live, and you talked about it. So in lieu of going over all of that again, because we really shouldn't, uh, please go over what you did in that Facebook Live for this audience if they didn't see it.
1: That was mostly from uh, National Signing Day. So there was an early signing period a couple weeks ago. Right before Christmas, and uh, Maryland signed almost all of its 2018 class. It's top 20 in the country. We'll probably finish top 25. Um, it's it's an it was a very successful day. The early signing period absolutely helped Maryland out a lot because um, those recruits don't get to hear a bunch of bigger schools, you know, trying to get them at the last minute, um, and so you know that leaves. Seven more weeks of first priority is to try to keep Noah Boykin, who is a cornerback commit, um, one of the couple four-stars in the class. Um, he's kind of flirting with Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, and a few others. Um, we've actually heard that he is most likely to say it right now, but there's still, you know, about a month um,
0: too much time. between
1: now and – yeah, there's a lot of time, so don't count your chickens there. Um, and then there's Mike. Mikel Salahuddin, the running back from Woodson, a Boykin's high school teammate, the number one player in D.C. Uh, Really the only running back Maryland was after this whole cycle because Maryland is absolutely stacked at running back and should have everyone coming back next year. So anyway, that guy committed to USC in June, Um, decommitted while in College Park um, in December, and all the... Crystal ball momentum is Maryland's favor right now.
0: So, as we, so as we would be, say, if Maryland gets be in, then they have all the running backs in the world. Mm-hmm. Eat your heart out, Bo Scarville. And
1: And then what do you even do with them at that point? That's that's the you fun make question. Them receivers. That you get to spend an offseason with. Maybe. Possibly.
0: Uh, I, I don't know how you wouldn't do that. Because with DJ Morgan.
1: I mean, you would make a couple of them receiving running backs. and Then you'd you'd figure out what else to do. Like I mean, like Anthony McFarland is so someone I figure, who
0: you figure he can yes. figure out something to do, uh, but you give him all these toys to work with he'll he'll find a way to make it happen especially if he has a quarterback. Exciting times. Exciting times for Maryland football. What the heck does that mean? I also quickly we don't think, know yet. You no, know, we don't know yet because last year we thought there were exciting times and then they all just went away because of ACLs. But quickly, I mean a lot
1: of like. Like yeah, 2017 wasn't you know was supposed to be the year where like the progress didn't show because of the schedule, and then it showed right away when they beat Texas, and then injuries, the injuries kind of wiped out that
0: out. Destroyed the possible <laughs> progress, but again, they played the toughest schedule in all of college football. It wasn't even close. So, it, it, but as I say, I mean, I'm yeah. maybe I'll get yeah, to the home
1: this. and home with the home and home with UCF turns into you play the only undefeated team in the country.
0: Well, up until Championship like, oh, Weekend, okay. they are the only team in college football that played both Wisconsin and UCF in the same year. So, again, uh, but I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I actually, FAU had played them too, but... Oh, no, are they? No. No, I'm thinking... I, mean, it's I think FAU played Wisconsin. Uh, FAU played Wisconsin. FAU Maybe. played UCF. That's right. I got them mixed up. Of course I get them mixed up. That always happens with me because they're the, essentially... One's in Boca, one's in Miami, and one has their stadium named after some soccer guy who put his name on the football stadium. Anyway.
1: The only reason I can tell them apart now is because one hired Lane Kiffin.
0: Well, the only reason why I can tell them apart is because, you know, one is benef- has a benefactor that is a guy who has caused me much grief and heartburn as a soccer fan in this country. And the other is uh, right by where I normally go in Boca, and I make boomers jokes about it all the time because I was hoping to see Lane Kiffin at Boomers, which is kind of like an amusement park arcade thing, which is a lot of fun down there, right by an airport. Anyway, I don't want to get too far in the weeds of that discussion. I still maintain that if Maryland does not lose Kassim Hill in that game against UCF, it's certainly not a blowout. It's more competitive. I think Maryland could have won that game. They were winning 3-0 when Kassim Hill got hurt. Yeah, it's...
1: Think about now. I I went home that night absolutely believing Maryland won that game with Kassim Hill. Um, like those thoughts have been tempered by watching UCF the rest of the season. Um, but still like if that's the kind of team Maryland could compete with, with Hill as a freshman, um,
0: the quarterback, there is again, reason, reason for some cautious optimism. The quarterback competition this summer is going to be fun in a good way, not a bad way for once cuz they they could legitimately not go wrong with one of two decisions that they could make. It's crazy. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun. Uh, it's
1: going to be I, I I still I still maintain that Kasim Hill is probably the upside guy. Like he was he was coming fast for that job, but I think even if Pickram stayed healthy, Hill might have overtaken him at yeah, some point.
0: But we've got a long time through no fault of Pickram's. Indeed. Yes. So the other thing we did in that show as we're going to end this one off very quickly, was the best and worst moments of 2017 that we have new entrance into the worst moments that it took till three days before the end of the year to make that happen. And uh, that was uh, injuries to uh slave and meniscai. As we said, before we started recording uh, there are a lot of bad moments, but there are a lot of good moments. And I feel we should talk about them as we, we wrote a piece on that as well. Uh, the good moments, they, they were good moments and beating Texas is up there. Two lacrosse national championships on back-to-back days is certainly up there. Mellow Trimble dropping the mic to end his career at Maryland against Michigan State is certainly up there. There are plenty of good games and good moments for Maryland this year that I think is worth celebrating. Yeah, the one thing I'll mention now that we didn't mention in uh,
1: any of the stories is Maryland softball beat number one Florida this, this year. This is true, and then they
0: did nothing else
1: in Gainesville. And then, well, that was their first win of the year. They were like 0 9, and then they finished like 8 and 40 or something dumb. But they like won at Florida. Number like I think that's the only Maryland team to beat number 1 this year.
0: Yeah. Think. Yep. Yeah. I would think so, unless men's soccer did it.
1: Actually no. Women's women's lacrosse did it. But they were number 2, uh, and that okay. doesn't really count. Does it?
0: Well, they're always – It
1: was lacrosse beat online. UNC when – yeah. It, it felt like they were number – because, I mean, they won that game. They were number one, and they, they didn't lose at all that season. It's
0: true. I bet I, – I don't remember if the men were not number one and then beat number one at some point. I I can't remember if that happened. I'm assuming – I don't know
1: if they beat number did. one, but there was were, there were some kind of chaos. Uh, Rutgers was number one at some point during the year. Yes, they
0: were. Yes, they were.
1: Um. Yeah, so, I mean, there was some chaos, and then right I toward the end of the season, Maryland took number one. number one.
0: I don't think so. Oh, maybe. I, well, I would have to check again, and, but... Yeah, somebody will have to go back and look on that. But there were good moments in Maryland athletics this year, and you can never take away that win in Texas. I mean, I know that's a mediocre no, Texas team that they ended up beating, but they they beat Texas, and that was a huge deal. Also, like,
1: Texas's schedule was pretty tough as well and for them to go 7 and 6 against that like Texas lost to USC Oklahoma Oklahoma State TCU Texas Tech at the end of the season and also Maryland
0: <laughs> yeah
1: like and and those and all the first all the others were close games Maryland killed them in
0: Austin in Austin and next year they play again in the worst stadium in America fun times woohoo yeah don't I I will go to the ends of the earth saying that things, will you know, be my that will be
1: my first time that will be my first time in that building.
0: Oh, you get ready to walk a mile from the metro station.
1: So anyway, I've I've pulled up the men's lacrosse schedule. Um, they beat Penn State when Penn State was number one.
0: Oh, okay. So that's um, three times that Maryland
1: was Maryland. number one. Maryland was number one earlier in the year. Uh, then lost to Notre Dame, and then lost to Villanova, which was totally weird. Um, and then they dropped down to number 10 at one point.
0: And then, just and then, beat then them when and they were number else. eight,
1: they were number eight when they, yeah, they were number eight when they, uh, beat Penn state. And then they, they dipped down to five after losing in overtime to Ohio state and then killed Hopkins and were somehow number one for the big 10 tournament. And then they didn't lose the rest of the way.
0: True. It's just a weird season, but eh, I don't know. Killing Hopkins sounds great to me. So, there is all sorts of good moments, and then the bad moments we've already gone over. I don't think we should do that again, should we? Let's not rehash that.
1: Um, well, it's mostly, you know, you kind of lump them in together. It's it's the kind of things that kill anybody. It's injuries, uh, departures, and, you know, some teams kind of fell apart. Like, men's soccer fell apart. Oh, Jesus. Um, volleyball yeah. missed the tournament. Volleyball was first team out of the tournament. Basketball didn't finish the way it wanted to. Women's basketball didn't finish the way didn't finish with a chance at UConn. Um, They were a game away from getting that. So, you know, those are the things, you know, if you leave wondering what could have been, you know, that's not a great way to end the year. But a lot of good things happened in 2017. Uh, First game in 2018 is a few hours after we record this. So, (laughs)
0: Let's hope it's, you know, let's just hope it's better than the last basketball game, which was just the the worst worst first half of basketball I've ever seen. Oh man, that was like a horror scene. Yeah, that was and, uh, that was gruesome.
1: No, at the yeah, time yeah. we were watching yeah, the like meetings. the local youth scrimmage at halftime was like had better offensive Sets. strategy and shooting. Yeah, it was just better offensive basketball, and it was eight year olds.
0: Yeah, that's not surprising that was, in
1: any way. And also, the the first uh, game of twenty seventeen was the Nebraska collapse last year. Oh yeah, so good point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh. so we'll see if they can start 2018
0: a it's little Penn better. State And it's Penn State, and you just don't want to lose to Penn State in anything. Particularly in the one sport where Maryland is decidedly better than them. So, yeah. Uh, Sounds good. Yes, so hopefully we have an emergency podcast on Thursday after Maryland beats Michigan State, but we know better. Hopefully we'll get back onto a more of a regular schedule now, and there won't be as many recording issues as we have had in the past. Hopefully that is something that was horrible in 2017 that does not end up continuing into 2018. We can hope. Uh, thank you, Thomas. Thank you, everybody who participated in the show throughout 2017. Thank you for all those of you who listened to our 100th episode and our navel-gazing and self-indulgence for a bit. We hope you enjoyed that, and we hope you enjoy the games as well. We will be back with you on more of a consistent schedule very soon. We promise you that. But until then, go Terps. Please find a way to beat Penn State. I don't care about having to, you. to be Michigan State.